Shut up and sit down. Hello, strangers, and welcome to episode 88 of Strangers in a Cinema. I'm one of your co-hosts, Paul Anderson, here with co-host Pete Mills. Not Pete Mills, let's start again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we can start again, dude. I think we've just got to go on. I don't have the technical so prowess to start Pete again. Mills. I do apologise. It's because in my mind, it was that Jack wasn't here and that Pete was. So apologies, listeners. I, I'm one of your co-hosts, Paul Anderson, here with your co-host Pete Warren, not well, Pete Mills. Well, well maybe <laughs> maybe I've sort of um, subsumed some of the uh, powers of Jack Mills into my own body because this week I'm pretending to be a producer and press the correct buttons at the correct time uh, on this little this little like uh, desktop in front of me. So if anything is completely out of place, that's all me. That's all me. That's you all can't me. do much worse than what I just did. This is introducing Pete Mills. So uh, yeah. Uh, yes. How are you, Pete? I, I'm I'm doing pretty well, man. I'm doing pretty well. Um, yeah, it's been a good week. I've been thinking about various things. In fact, today I spent a large part of my day when I was walking around listening to the Charlemagne the God Kanye West interview because you know Kanye has decided that slavery sounds like a choice. Did you hear this? I did. I have seen this on the news today. Yes. Yeah. Which, um, yeah. Uh, it's, it's outside the remit of our show, but it's definitely going to be talked <laughs> about for a, for a little bit. Um, how about you, man? Good week thus far? Uh, yes. I've been smashing a bit through a bit more of God of War, which I talked about on the credits last week. I've managed to watch a few more films this week in between that. But how oh, my th- days, Pete. God of War. Well, I was going to say, how far through God of War are you now? I'm not entirely sure, to be honest. I'd say probably 10, 12 hours through. And I've just had a fight with a massive dragon that was one of the most epic things I've ever seen on a video game screen. So, um, nice. yeah, living up to the hype, in fairness, living up to the hype. Um, but enough of that. What have we got this week, Pete? Well, coming up this week, we have one gargantuan feature, which is Avengers Infinity War. We previewed it previously, and I'm sure everybody's aware because it's splashed on about 8 billion cinema screens worldwide. So we've devoted our entire feature section to talking about that movie. Before that, we have the regular sections of the show, which first of all are uh, in the foyer, well, will be in the foyer. Then we're going to have popcorn movies where we talk about stuff from the last week. We're going to have coming attractions as usual, the feature, and then we'll just do credits at the end to wrap things up. But but Paul, in the foyer, we always link to something to do with our feature or features. This week, we've gone for something that I think is, uh, I don't know, worth a little bit of chit-chat. What have we got? Uh, so this week, we've decided to look at uh, what we consider to be underappreciated superhero films. I've got a feeling somewhere in the deep depths of previous episodes, we've done something similar to this before, but I might be wrong. But regardless... We might uh, have done the exact same yeah. thing, to be fair. Yeah, we may have done, yeah. Because <laughs> when, when I looked at the movie, I was going to... movies that come out. So. Yeah, well, when, when I looked at the movie that I want to talk about, I had this weird deja vu that I may have just plugged this before. But, you know, we digress. Let's get on with it, Paul. What Let's have, do it again anyway, yeah. What so, have you uh, decided is underappreciated in the superhero comic book world of movies? Mystery Men from 1999, directed by, I believe, Kinka Usher uh, and stars Ben Stiller, uh, William H. Macy, Jeffrey Rush, uh, Hank Azaria, Greg Kinnear, amongst others. Uh, This is a highly humorous take on superheroes and basically revolves around, I think, Mr. Furious, uh, whose power is that he gets really, really angry, putting together a super team to take on the villainous Casanova Frankenstein, played by Jeffrey Rush, who's having incredible fun in this film. I'd say underappreciated. I think a few people have seen it. I think it was possibly just a little bit too early for its time to sort of send up the superhero genre in the way that it does. But I think it does it very, very well. I mean, you've got Hank Azaria as a character, that, oh, the shoveler, actually, sorry, 
So Hank is I forget who Hank is plays. William H Macy plays a character called the Shoveler, whose weapon is a spade. So it, it's very very silly, um, but it's a whole heap of fun. And if you haven't seen it, then I urge you to do so. But yeah, it's just a, a silly sort of superhero spoof um, that I think went disappeared under the radar, possibly be because maybe they thought the superhero movies had peaked in 1999 and they weren't going to get any more oh, they popular. Had, man, they had, <laughs> yeah, well, we yeah. barely had anything since. There's been a drought yeah. <laughs> since since the golden days of the yeah. uh, the so, late nineties. Yeah, totally. So yeah, Mystery Men, if you haven't seen it, I would uh, I'd recommend checking out. I haven't seen it for a few years, so apologies if it doesn't stand up well, but I, I have fond memories of it anyway. So Yeah, well, yeah. well from my sort of like semi-chuckle uh, in response to one of the things you said there, I haven't seen this movie either. And so, uh, okay. yeah, I mean, where could, like, presumably this is one that I'd have to find on disc because it doesn't sound like something that I've seen pop up on streaming any any time i've not seen i've not scrolled past it on any of the major streaming sites to be honest i imagine you possibly rent it from amazon prime video or certainly yeah. it certainly is out on dvd at least i don't think i've seen a blu-ray of it i might be mistaken but um yeah i certainly had it on dvd so cool so there's mystery men from what 1999 you oh, said yeah yeah Uh, Going back a few years to probably the beginning of the golden age of superhero movies, 1990, uh, I want to pick out the movie that, um, I don't know if this is a good movie, but I really like it. It's Liam Neeson in Sam Raimi's film Dark Man. Um, I nearly picked Dark Man. I nearly picked Dark Man to be the one that I brought up in fact. So, so Dark Man, you've got this uh, brilliant scientist played by your boy Neeson, who is left for dead and uh, essentially burnt alive, and comes back to sort of enact revenge. The reason why the movie sticks in my head is to do with a number of scenes in it, and the, particularly the dialogue in this thing. I don't know if you remember uh, bits from the movie, but like the bit with um, "Let me examine my points." You know this part? This guy, <laughs> this guy says, let me examine my points. And as he's examining his points about the like way that he's living his life, he's cutting off uh, digits, fingers from uh, okay. from the guy. Yes, I do remember that. Yeah, It's the, a pretty dark really... film, actually, no pun intended. But... Yeah, yeah. So he says this. Uh, now, le- let's consider my points one by one. One, I try not to let my anger get the better of me. And then he cuts off one finger. And he's like, two. I don't always succeed. And then he cuts off another finger. So, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, it's way before Liam Neeson was, you know, punching wolves and saving everyone who's been taken. But I think Dark Man is actually good fun. And it's like that Sam Raimi take on um, superhero stuff that tends to have a sense of humour. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I enjoy Dark Man a lot. And I don't know if it's streaming. I should have found out before this. Um, but it is definitely worth hunting down. You can see it on Amazon Video for £2.49 if you've got that kind of cash to throw around. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, Dark Man is, is my recommendation and, and Mystery Men from Paul. Paul, we will um, get out of what was an absolutely blinding section and we'll be back. <laughs> it was with, definitely done before. With I'm, another... I'm so convinced we've done that before. It's I think we have. Dark Man. But yeah, I, I, think <laughs> I think we picked the exact same movies as well, but, you know, never mind. There's no 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 harm in refreshing people's memories. It's our shows, it's fine. Yeah. Here we do yeah. what we want. Um, we'll be back right after this with the section that we love to call Popcorn Movies. So back indeed we are. Uh, so I'm going to jump in first here with a film that uh, the last time I watched this, I was incredibly young and I'll be entirely honest, I, I'd forgotten more than I remembered of it. Uh, this is 1980s Blues Brothers uh, from John Landis. Um Oh, my days. What was I thinking, leaving it so long to watch this film again? It is absolutely I've never seen brilliant. it. I've never, never seen, seen it. it. Oh, no. Pete. No. Pete, Pete, Pete. 
I mean, I pretty much had never seen it by the time when we put it on the other day. I may as well have watched it again for the first time, which in some ways is great because what a joyous surprise it was to see how much I enjoyed this. So before I get into the plot, which is fairly minimal, are you ready for this list of cameos? This isn't even all the cameos in it. There's some incredible cameos in here. So, Pete, are you ready for this? We've got James Brown. We've got John Lee Hooker. We've got Aretha Franklin. We've got Carrie Fisher, Shaka Khan, Steven Spielberg, and John Candy, amongst others. Those are just some just some of the cameos. Uh, in the leads, we've got Dan Aykroyd and the late great John Belushi, who are incredible together. Very very funny. They've got very good um, very good. What's the Chemistry. word I'm looking for? Chemistry. This is exactly the word I'm looking for. Uh, it's incredible song and dance routines. The film essentially is kind of just. A series of sketches really just held together by the loosest of plots where they're trying to raise money um, for a charitable fund. But the song and dance numbers are absolutely incredible, as you can imagine, with that musical task. Quite a lot of the musical the musical cameos actually get their own songs as well. So the music's an absolute joy to behold. Carrie Fisher's cameo is one of the favourite things I've ever seen. She just, the, the way, I won't spoil it for you because you haven't seen it, the way in which she just appears. To basically appear as a to kill the British brothers and then disappears again at multiple times in more and more ridiculous ways. Uh, the film just elevates in stupidity and out and out silliness as it goes on. But for me to see, I'm always banging on that I think a perfect comedy should be a tight 90 minutes long, and uh, a lot of people don't agree. I've been proven wrong by Blues Brothers. The gag rate is it's consistently funny for two hours, 15 minutes. It was absolutely superb, and I loved every minute of it, and you should totally see it. Yeah, and when you say a lot of people don't agree, I think you basically mean Judd Apatow doesn't agree. Because yes, all Judd of... Apatow likes putting an extra 45 minutes into all of his films. That's right. All, all of the contemporary yeah. uh, comedy movies are produced or, or, or uh, built from the ground up by Judd Apatow, and they're all about, yeah, t- two hours 15 or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah, no, it's it's one of those where, like, uh, ex-producer of this show, Conor Gagan, would probably excommunicate me for saying that I'd never seen Blues Brothers. But, you know, <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not too proud to admit when there are, are holes in things I haven't seen. So, yeah, when you and uh, Claire Clark, who's been on the show before, were having a bit of a love-in on social media about how amazing it is, I was just sheepishly keeping myself to myself because I haven't seen it. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Fair enough. Uh, gonna, what have you got? Well, I'm going to maybe surprise you slightly, Paul, with what I've gone for uh, first for popcorn movies this week. Because, um, it, well, first of all, it's like a horror movie. Secondly, um, it's a home invasion movie. And this is the kind of genre that I felt like I had gone cold on a number of years ago. I've talked yeah. about this on the show before where I've started to feel, and maybe it's a sign of getting older, maybe it's a sign of just like my changing tastes or whatever it might be, but the like... Movies that are based around um, sort of violent nihilism do very little for me unless they're created by like a really visionary mind. Someone who's trying to say something, communicate something higher than just people suffering is quote Eli, unquote, Eli Roth, for example. Well, yeah, your auteurs <laughs> like Eli Roth can, can do yeah. it a little bit more than most. But yeah, this one, I should get to the movie. This one is called Kidnapped or Sequestrados. And it's directed by a guy called uh, Miguel Angel Vivas. Uh, it's a Spanish. It's a good go, isn't it? It's a Spanish language language movie, I believe. Uh, it's from 2010, and it's basically similar territory to something like the Michael Haneke movie Funny Games. You've got a family; they seem fairly well to do. They're home invaded, uh, apropos of almost nothing. And it's a father, it's a son, and it's like a 
older teenage daughter, I think. Um, and once the home invasion starts, you've got this group of guys in balaclavas who are going to terrorise the mother and the daughter and take the dad who has to go and withdraw a load of money out of an ATM and hand it over to the bad guys. The reason why this is elevated above what that sounds like is because that director, uh, Miguel Angel Vivas, does this kind of formally creative stuff. So, you know, like uh, Brian De Palma in his heyday was splitting the screen in something like um, Sisters, where he has like multiple angles on separate parts of the screen. Yeah. Um, you know, the, other directors have, have copied this or, or maybe had their own uh, spin on that technique. But I think here the director actually does that with a, a fairly... Um, Maybe breathtaking is too strong a word, but like a fairly uh, involving panache that kind of kept me along with this thing and kept it interesting and exciting because you've got like what's going on with the father and one of the bad guys put side by side with what's going on in the house as the father gets closer to the house you know that these two events at some point are going to intersect with each other and this makes for what i think is a pretty tight and smartly put together like thriller horror movie so i would recommend it it's it's streaming on netflix at the moment like i say the title is a little bit misleading in english because it's just called kidnapped no one is really kidnapped in this movie it it could be called you know home invasion just lazy retitling for it is yeah it it absolutely is and the performance is a fine uh it's it's kind of a bit well actually I, I say a bit it's incredibly incredibly brutal but like in the way where not just like people saying that the reason you should watch a movie is because it's brutal the reason to watch this is because it's stylishly put together but yeah uh, kidnap 2010 what's second for you paul uh, just before I continue, uh, if listeners are aware at home, it sounds like my home is currently being invaded. It does. Uh, someone's just suddenly started doing some DIY next door, so apologies uh, for that. Um, hopefully, they'll might, they, hopefully they won't come through the wall and murder me in a minute, uh, or maybe they will. In which case, the show will be all the more exciting for well, it. Well, um, and, and also, I do notice uh, <laughs> that you have yet to uh, like sticky tape egg boxes to your walls in order to dampen the audio in your front room. So, if if anything sounds a bit echoey, I'm going to put that on Paul even though my room is definitely echoey as well okay well fair enough well thank you uh right what have I got next for you I've got uh, a film that I think came out here this year so 2018 but I think was initially released in the US 2017 uh this is a horror film called uh, Terrifier which people may be aware of because it's got a scary clown in it and it isn't the film It um, this is directed by Damien Leone I think is how you pronounce his name uh and basically focuses on um a, a, a well, two women who go on a night out and on their way home they encounter a very creepy clown character who proceeds to stalk them um, for about half the film and then for the second half of the film uh, cuts up anyone he can find uh, in increasing brutal, Pete, brutal ways. Um, yeah, I'd seen quite a lot of good reviews about this um, and as, as, as I've mentioned before, I'm quite into my horror so I was quite looking forward to this one. Um, the start is rather good I have to say um, the clown himself played by David Howard Thornton I think I've got his name down as um, actually is is very very creepy I'd say um, he's he seems to be sort of like an accomplished mind and he does all these kind of the kind of the, the usual sort of clown routine things that they would do that are quite funny become quite creepy here in the way that he's performed so the performance is very very good and actually the film builds a fairly decent atmosphere i'd say for the first half hour or so um and then unfortunately it just gets a little bit silly um 
some of the OTT set pieces are fine and they are quite fun. They are quite, they're so over the top. You do kind of find yourself laughing at them, but it just turns into like a, a, almost like a kill rampage for the last sort of 40 minutes. And any atmosphere that's built is, is completely gone. And that, as much as some of the creative kills are quite good, uh, it just degenerates into just a clown, basically just stabbing people in the chest repeatedly and just sort of maniacally laughing. So yeah, it's not great. I, I was hoping for more from the opening from the opening section. But if you like horror, if you like clown horror films, and I'm sure there is a that is definitely a genre. I think mainly because of it. Um, yeah, there's there's enough to like here. There's enough to like here for exploitation fans, I would say. But I was expecting better from the first half of the film, so I can't give it a glowing recommendation. Where where did this come from? Where did you get it from? Uh, I rented it on Amazon Video, I think, or Xbox Video. Right, or yeah, that's like that, what so. popped up when I was just looking into it as well. So it's like yeah. a fairly recent. Yeah, it's not long been out. Yeah, not long been. I think it's been out for a month or so. I think. Yeah, so yeah. What have you got, Pete? Uh, what I've got this week slightly controversial for a popcorn movie. It's not strictly speaking a movie, but. Um, Janelle Monae is someone I've mentioned on this show before. And uh, Janelle Monae, obviously the actress who was in Moonlight and also in Hidden Figures, is a singer originally by trade. Um, she has released her new album. The album's called Dirty Computer, but the, we're not going to do record reviews on the show. She, alongside that, has released what she is... But if we did, it would get a very good review, though. For, for sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, what she's put out alongside it, a little bit like um, Beyonce did with Lemonade, I guess, is uh, a motion picture, or in this case, an emotion picture, as she dubs it, which is um, basically stringing together the music videos that have been released to this point for that album with this kind of um, overarching through line of drama which is about a character played by Janelle Monet, who is called Jane 57821 uh, she's living in this kind of near future totalitarian system whereby they're essentially trying to clean the dirty computers she herself is a dirty computer because essentially she has history and passion and desire and these kind of things that the overlords want washed off of her so that she can become a sort of automaton in this process she interacts with a character played by tessa thompson who may or may not be romantically involved with her in real life who, who knows on that one uh and that character she recognizes but it seems like she has been taken over by whatever this force is and sort of body snatched or mind wa- uh, mind washed so she is there as a sort of um nurse to help the Janelle Monet character through the process of being cleaned. Now, this all sounds like an overblown amount of words to attribute to a thing that is essentially <laughs> a string of music videos. But, as Paul mentions, the album is really good, and I think what she's managed to do is make something cohesive. When the idea of her putting out an emotion picture uh, came to, to public attention, it did sound kind of, to me, like quite self-indulgent and um, maybe a little bit unnecessary and superfluous. But I think... In my opinion, watching this uh, this thing all the way through is actually a superior experience to listening to the record without the images. Uh, and so I think as a visual stylist, and uh, with the collaboration of, uh, uh, I think, five different directors on this thing, she has actually produced something that elevates her music rather than just sits alongside it. You've seen it as well, right? I have seen it, yeah, yeah. What did you uh, think? Yeah, I liked it. I think I would have liked to have seen a little bit more um, more narrative fleshed out in between the music videos, for me anyway, because I think the, the whole the whole con- core concept of this character... What did you say she was called again? Um, called Jane 57821. 
Um, yeah, I'd like to have seen a bit more about possibly the, like, I mean, I understand we, we live in this sort of dystopian future where it's sort of 1981-esque where everything's being monitored and that kind of thing. I'd like to have seen a bit more, I think, of those narrative scenes because Janelle Monet's proven she can act and I'd like to have seen maybe a bit more interaction between her and the Tessa Thompson character outside of the music videos. Uh, but overall, I agree. I thought it was very good. And like visually, the music videos are incredible. Um, the whole thing has clearly had a lot of money thrown at it, which helps with with sci-fi. Uh, if you put sci-fi, you, you put sci-fi on anything, and I'm pretty much in in. So uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. But for me, it could have been a little bit more narrative. But certainly, um, yeah, certainly not a bad not a bad effort by yeah. a long stretch. And I suppose the the sort of closer on that thing to come back on that point is that like. I'm hoping a little bit selfishly, I guess, that once she's done with some of the touring commitments that she's got off the record, that Te- uh, Tessa Thompson, that uh, Janelle Monet is going to be in another feature film, like in its own right, sooner rather than later, because she was so good in Moonlight and Hidden Figures. It would be a shame yeah. for her to be like shelved by the fact that she's committed so much to this record. So we'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, Janelle Monet, one to watch in more than one capacity, I think. And uh, this thing's worth checking out. And I should mention, you can watch it on YouTube. You don't have to like buy it if you don't want it or whatever. You can watch it on YouTube at the moment. Uh, Paul, I think we're done for this section. So um, unless you've got anything else, we will be back in just a moment with our coming attractions. So uh, we are back with coming attractions. Um, I watched a trailer today for a film that I never, ever thought I'd see a trailer for, Pete. Uh, This is a trailer for the actual film called The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. And this is Terry Gilliam's film that he has tried to make unsuccessfully eight times over the span of 19 years. That's unfucking believable. Like, I mean, I think even though they did a film called, I believe it was, it was Lost in La Mancha, wasn't it? Which is a film about failing to make the man who killed Don Quixote at one point. So, and people thought maybe that was it. So I am over the moon for Terry Gilliam that he's actually finally managed to make this film. And the trailer, Pete, it looks rather good. Yeah. Uh, we've got Adam Driver uh, and Jonathan Price. So Jonathan Price is Don Quixote and then Adam Driver uh, co-stars with him. Um, it just looks great, to be honest. It just looks pure Gilliam madness. Um, and I'm very much looking forward to it. And I won't really spoil I don't want to spoil what's in the trailer because you should probably go and see it cold, really. Uh, but I'm just more excited that this film actually now exists and we will get to see it. I believe it's premiering at Cannes. Um, so we will get to see it this year, hopefully. So it's just uh, just unbelievably happy for him and he's got to make it. I mean, that is, I'd say it's probably the best-known development hell film ever. I don't, I don't think you can think of... I mean, Watchmen took a while to get to the screen, but I don't think anything rivals this, to be fair. Mm. So, um, yeah, any, and any output from Gideon will always be uh, warmly received by myself. So, yeah, yeah. it looks ace. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I'll take your advice because I haven't seen the trailer yet and I think I probably won't, as much as I, I'm able to control these things, I won't see the trailer because that's the kind of thing that I would like to just walk into knowing as little as possible yeah. and, and then see what I make of it. So yeah, like you say, hopefully this year and if not, then then next year. But, definitely but it exists. The point soon. is it exists and it's finished and that's amazing news. So yes, what have you got, Pete? Uh, talking of finishing, uh, here's a sexy film. That's disgusting. Uh, yeah. Uh, no. Wow. Coming attraction for me this week is uh, called Amant Double or uh, Double Lover, and it comes from uh, Francoise. Uh, Francoise? That's a female. Francois Ozon, the French filmmaker that we've talked about in the past for things like uh, Jeune Jolie. Was that the last one? Jeune Jolie, I think. I think so, yeah. uh, before that, like In the House, and of course, he made Swimming Pool um, with. Uh, 
Charlotte Rampling. Um, I'm excited for this. It, it is in the territory of Francois Ozon, anyone who's familiar with his work, which is a youngish woman, fairly doe-eyed, vulnerable in some way, is involved with some kind of psychoanalyst or psychiatry of some kind. Like, I say that flippantly, but that is the centre of a lot of his movies. Uh, psychology and, and sort of burgeoning sexuality, uh, what he's concerned about. I should say, uh, for what it's worth, Francois Ozon is an openly gay man. This isn't the sort of... Um, purient like exploitation of young actresses that it might seem like it could be I suppose in this movie uh, Chloe a fragile young woman would you believe falls in love with her her psychoanalyst called Paul a few months later Paul uh, she moves in with him but soon discovers that her lover is concealing a part of his identity maybe his double life who knows from the title I can speculate Uh, probably a little bit like Laura's experience right of moving in with you and then realising that you have concealed a part of your life which is uh, the amount of collectibles that you wanted to have in in your life or something of that ilk I would guess yeah cheers move on (laughs) (laughs) it's a raw nerve Uh, yeah this one stars uh, Jeremy Renier who's worked with Ozon before and also uh, Marine uh, Vact or Vact I don't know how to pronounce her name, evidently, uh, who was also the lead in Jeunet Jolie, the last Ozon movie. It should be coming out here 1st of June, so not too long to wait. It will be on limited release. Um, so I might get to see it in Bath, but you certainly won't get to see it in Cheltenham. You'll, you'll probably, probably be at home playing with your toys, mate, so you won't be able to see <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, but that, that one is, yeah, well, both of those, I think, fairly um, tantalising propositions coming up. We will get out of the awkwardness of this last exchange and be back in just a moment with the big uh, sexy meaty part of our show, which we call Feature Review. So, as we mentioned earlier, this release of this film really nearly slipped me by, to be perfectly honest. Um, This is Avengers infinity war so the last i think 10 years of marvel superhero films have all been leading to this absolutely colossal behemoth of a multiplex release um pete do you want to try and set this one up or do you want me to no i do not you You can set this up man there are like fucking 50 mainline characters in this movie (laughs) you tell me where we are in the in the mcu okay i'll tell you where we are in the mcu so all the other superhero films have led to this one which i've already alluded to so i'm not going to go into the ins and outs of of who did what and why. Um, You may have seen, there's been a number of MacGuffins in superhero films and they're all generally sort of glowing blue cubes or some kind of energy crystal. These are Infinity Stones. Um, And there has been a presence behind, I would say a number, not all of the villains, a number of the villains in the MCU movies so far. Uh, And you've seen him, I think, a couple of times in the Guardians of the Galaxy films. And this is the mad Titan Thanos. Uh, who is played here by Josh Brolin. Um, and he is he has a desire to wipe out half the life in the universe or most of the life in the universe, depending on what mood he's in. He's, he's mad, basically. Uh, and he wants to collect these all these Infinity Stones, so like the Tesseract, uh, the thing that's in the really rubbish Android Vision's head, uh, those kind of things. If you're, and there's one with Benicia de Toro, the collector. I'm trying to stay on topic here. So he's trying to collect all these Infinity Stones. Are you with me, Pete? I am. Are you still with me? Okay, good. So he's trying to collect all these Infinity Stones and put them in an Infinity Gauntlet that that he he wears so then he has all the power in the universe and can just wipe out 
and do what he pleases with the universe, basically. Uh, and he, in this film, is coming to Earth and has decided that now is the time he's going to collect all the Infinity Stones, which basically means the combined power of the Avengers and the Guardians of the Galaxy, who have been involved in this through, obviously, their encounters with Thanos before, uh, they all kind of, they all, through chance, meet up and take on Thanos. How did I do? Yeah, pretty good, yeah, I reckon. that makes sense? Yeah? Yeah, I, I couldn't help thinking in this movie that Thanos is a little bit like, are you familiar with the uh, the darts personality, Bobby George? <laughs> no, I don't know why I laughed at that. Just, <laughs> just jewels all over his hand. Because, yeah, like you say, that this gauntlet where he's going to put these uh, these sort of like ruby and emerald-looking infinity stones uh, is a glove, essentially. A big a big yeah. metal glove, for those of you not familiar with the word gauntlet. And, uh, yeah, and, and, say, yeah, and once he gets all of those, he's going to be like all powerful right that's basically where we're at he's gonna have it's a bit like um uh captain planet he's gonna like bring together all the elements from like earth wind water fire heart and then he's gonna basically be able to do what he wants but in place of those elements it's like the time and if you want an idea of what the infinity gauntlet actually looks like have a look at taika watiti's uh instagram feed where he's got a washing up glove and has just put five colored gems on it which right. is brilliant so if you haven't yeah. seen that check I, it out i think there's been, made, a thing doing the rounds. <laughs> there's been a thing doing the rounds as well which is like michael jackson with it in concert oh, okay. he's wearing a glove that looks <laughs> very very similar before we get into uh like throwing around our opinions about this ginormous superhero event uh, i'm just gonna play a little clip tell me his name again thanos he's a plague tony he invades planets he takes what he wants he wipes out half the population he sent loki the attack on new york that's him this is it what's our timeline no telling he has the power in space stones. That already makes him the strongest creature in the whole universe. If he gets his hands on all six stones, Tony... He could destroy life on a scale hitherto undreamt of. Did you seriously just say hitherto undreamt of? Are you seriously leaning on the cauldron of the cosmos? No, no. So, as you would expect from that clip, you have heard that uh, the MCU is not devoid of a few... Uh, little gags and uh, sort of light relief because my word Paul Anderson you will need a little bit of light relief when your superhero movie runs fully two hours and 40 minutes um, I think it's a good <laughs> as good a place as any to start this thing is incredibly long for you as a relatively I think uh, big MCU fan if I'm not speaking out of out of turn uh is it too long? Is it the right length? Did they manage to cram enough of the meat into this sort of sausage casing for you to be satisfied? Or was the thing sort of bursting out through through its own scenes? I think I have to say, you sort of, I think my, my love for the MCU is, is dampened a little over the past couple of years. Well, not so much the standalone stuff, but I, I, Black Panther I thought was great. Um, I didn't go too much on Civil War. I thought that was a bit too sort of stuff to the brim they've they've kind of started to feel a little bit a bit like certain films especially civil war and certainly avengers age of ultron the other two that are kind of in this the avengers series really um have started to feel like kind of just not necessary uh just sort of big bloated episodes in a series like filler episodes just because it was leading to something that something is this film um so in some ways yes it's i can see why this the why they would want this film to be a bit longer um and actually, for the most part, I think they just just about hold this together. Um, for me, it felt a lot like a two and a half, well, two hour, 40 minute set piece. 
Um, there wasn't a lot of story here for me personally. Um, I don't think it would work at all if you've got no knowledge of the previous series. But then I suppose, as my wife said, well, why would you go and see it then? So I kind of I can see that argument as well. Um, but for me, yeah, it, it just they just about hold it together. To be honest, I think there they there is arguably possibly a few too many characters. Uh, sort of thrown into the mix here not all of them get as much screen time as you would hope they would get in places it feels a bit more like Guardians of the Galaxy 3 than it did kind of an Avengers film to be perfectly honest but overall yes I think they just about got it to work it was a mammoth mammoth task to put all squeeze all these characters together um there isn't a lot of story, as I've said, but it looks incredible. The set pieces are mostly exciting. I did get a bit jaded towards the end. I was like, oh, I'm a bit tired of this relentless sort of CGI action now. Um, but I like what it did with what little story I had. I liked where it went. I especially like Josh Brolin the Thanos. I thought he was actually... So twice this year now, Marvel have put good villains on the screen. He's not quite Eric Killmonger good, which is Michael B. Jordan in Black Panther, but he's still very good. So I think Marvel are learning their lessons on villains. The set pieces look great. Um, there are some surprise plot twists, and I'm not going to go into which character deaths. There are character deaths, which you probably be, will be aware of already. I'm not, we're not going to stay good on here. Uh, and some of them I liked, and there were some surprising cameos. So overall, yes. And if you compare it to the other big big sort of tentpole sci-fi under the Disney banner, I enjoyed this more than I enjoyed Star Wars The Last Jedi. Ooh, so, shots fired. Yes. Um, yeah, shots fired. Yeah, I, I think I'm. I think I'm on a similar page to you, Paul. I mean, I, there's a question that I wrote down straight away when I was writing notes for for this review, which was, do we need all of these characters? But then, at the same time, I guess the toothpaste is kind of out of the tube as far as that goes, because we inevitably, like you've explained, we're bringing together all of these different threads. So there's no avoiding the number of characters who are going to be stuffed into this movie. And it was inevitably going to happen. I think that the issue that I have, and probably could have told you going into the movie, having seen none of it, is that when you've got an ensemble of so many stars, it's so difficult to not just reduce each of those characters into their the thing that they do. You know, like on, mm. and I hate to make this as a comparison to like this movie we're talking about, but like, you know, on the TV show Friends, you can play that drinking game where you go like, okay, every time <laughs> Joey talks about food, take a drink. Every time yeah. Monica is competitive, take a drink. Well, in this film, I had this feeling like, oh, I get it. So like, we've got um, Mark Ruffalo as, as, as Bruce Banner the Hulk, uh, in so much as he's going to be struggling with being angry or not being angry, because that's the thing that he does, right? We've got like, um, I mean, you can get, go down the list. I mean, Chris Evans as Captain America, a little bit arrogant, you know, reeling from the argument that he's had in the past film with uh, Captain America, Captain America, with uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark, Iron Man. But like each character sort of got reduced down to a trope or like a thing that they do. Because yeah. there's no more screen time. To well, I think the thing is, well, I think uh, when I kind of when, when I came out and thought more about this, when I think about the, uh, Infinity War as a two and a half hour f- finale to all the other films, it works. If you take it as a film in its own right, I don't think it works particularly well at all for those exact reasons. But I think if you take it as, as I said, like as the the culmination of everything and basically just one massive action set piece at the end of however many hours of MCU films there have been, I think on that basis it works quite well. Yeah. Um, and that ultimately, and, it, and I think at least, at least in this case, unlike with Justice League, for example, at least in this case, you have got the standalone films that have established these characters to have some character, if that makes sense. Yeah. So at least that's there. 
at least this isn't the first time you're seeing these characters, um, which I think is which is which helps a lot. I think. Mm. I, I wanted to to ask you, Paul, about what you think in terms of. So I'm talking about this this morass, this uh, mass of all the all of these different characters combined on screen. And I think you're right. I think that like as we knew this was going to be like bringing all these strands together, all these characters together. Basically, I agree with you. Like, I think it did a relatively good job of that. Who do you think, though, were the characters that, on the basis of this movie alone, sort of stood out as the most uh, entertaining, interesting, and vital to this movie without just thinking what you thought of them coming in? Uh, I still think that it's the Guardians of the Galaxy cast. Dave Bautista was excellent. Dave Bautista totally stole the show again. Um, With his... Again, very funny. The bit where they encounter Thor, where he's decided, where he's trying to decide, where he's trying to mimic Thor's voice is hilarious. Right. And decided that, is he fat or is he not? Uh, And then Dave Bautista describes Thor as a cross between an angel and a space pirate or something like that. Yeah. (laughs) Which which is great. And the Um, thing where he's worked out that he can move so slowly that it's imperceptible (laughs) to the human eye and therefore he's invisible. And like, the, the guy is so able to deliver that stuff deadpan that like it got a, like a genuine laugh I thought that was really entertaining I think Tom Holland was good here I think I've come round to Tom Holland actually in quite a big way and it might be because I've heard him interviewed and he just seems like such a genuinely nice yeah. guy and sort of you know really appreciative seems of excited position. to be there doesn't he he does he really does yeah. and that and that tallies well with his character because you know like it, when I don't think it's too big of a spoiler to say that that Spider-Man is in let's say a situation or territory that is outside of his regular comfort zone right yeah. and as that sort of stowaway slight newcomer newbie to the group I think that 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 plays well with Tom Holland's persona as a as an actor at this point anyway yeah anybody else anybody else in particular aside from the Guardians aside from Spider-Man anyone else who stood out um they're just just Brodin as Thanos I think to be honest I think um yeah I thought he was really good I think that Thanos is one of the best parts of this and Thanos's relationship with Gamora uh from Guardians who is his daughter again not spoiler that's in the previous films uh or sort of stolen away daughter I think their relationship is very very good Gamora is Zoe Saldana right Yes, I think if anyone gets short shrift, it's the Avengers themselves, because I just think for me, it's, it's still, I mean, Thor's got a, a fairly major part to play in this, but Iron Man really doesn't seem to, Iron Man, Doctor Strange, they don't seem to, I think they've, they seem to have written the story, I think, more with the Guardians of the Galaxy in mind, than they, and I think maybe the Avengers characters get a little bit short shrift as opposed to the Guardians, which is good, because I prefer Jeremy the Guardians films. No, not at all. Why? No. There's a rumor. Well, there's a rumor that Hawkeye might be is off on a special assignment somewhere. Uh, right, that I was reading right. reading the other day. So yeah, is it a special yeah. assignment of doing other movie work? Maybe possibly. Yeah, yeah. it could be. Yeah, I, yeah. I did think um, to, to cap off this part, Paul. I did think that. Um, I I guess I'm predisposed to to rooting for her, but um, I thought Elizabeth Olsen's uh, what she called in in this movie Scarlet Witch. Yeah, Scarlet yeah. Witch or Wanda. Yeah. Given that when she came in to the MCU, she seemed so ridiculous with her sort of waving her arms around, ineffectual, like vaguely second-rate CGI swirling around her head stuff. I thought by now they they gave that character actually a fairly central role in the action. And, and she seems to have dropped her terrible accent as well, which is not yeah. a bad thing. Yeah, that's been, <laughs> been forgotten about. And I thought here, like she carried it off actually pretty well. And I was it was pleasing to see that that character wasn't just as as inconsequential well, I mean, as she seemed we, at the beginning which is good and i think also we've gone we've gone away from uh in my opinion anyway we've, we've gone away from sort of superhero movies being a, a genre now and this is just full-blown 
Star Wars esque sci fi, isn't it? Let's be frank. Like, this is just massive budget. There's planet hopping, there's spaceships, like, just everything's everything's thrown at the screen here. So it's more sort of full blooded sci fi action fest than it is strictly a superhero film, although there are superheroes in it. So I think that, that kind of superhero film as a genre thing is kind of blending. I think they're all blending together now as opposed to. Whereas if you look back, you had, say, for example, something like Dark Man or the first Spider-Man films, who obviously superhero films, is, and this is what Marvel have done a very good job of, is they've made, they've managed to mix, mesh superheroes with other genres, which I think keeps them interesting. Um, and this one is basically full-on space opera, I would say, personally, if you... Yeah. But yeah, yeah. overall, overall, yeah, not, not, not without reservations. I did get a little bit tired. I will reiterate that. And I think it, it does, at time, it's just like the running time, it does feel like you, you, you kind of want to just go... You please just give me a break. Like, can we have some dialogue that I've watched a lot of things blowing up? And that's great. I'm all for things blowing up. Times it gets a little bit too much. I did get a little bit weary, but the end's really good, I thought. Right. Um, and, and yeah, and like, are, there not, are there not also times where you just think, like, do, do we need these characters? Like, uh, okay, I said... Uh, I completely agree. Not, yeah. not yeah. so many, but, like, I mean, okay, just looking down the list, if you took War Machine out of this movie, doesn't matter. If you no, took... Falcon. Falcon's rubbish. Like, he just wears wings. Yeah. Got no, at one point, Falcon flies in to fight Thanos, and you're like, you haven't got a chance, mate. Right. You have not got a chance. Like, He's just contractually and, obliged to be there, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah, and there's certain characters, I know what you mean. The and, other thing, actually, I did want to say before we finish is I did find... Oh, we're not close to the, finishing, sir. We're going no, two the, hours on this one review. Yeah, yeah two, two, two hours four. Yeah. Um, no, I just found the tone a little bit jarring in places. I think that at, at times it skewed quite dark. Uh, well, dark by Marvel standards anyway. Um, and then suddenly they'd be wisecracking and then they would go dark and they'd be wisecracking, go dark and they'd be wisecracking. Now, the Marvel characters are good at the wisecracking and the cast are good at it, so it's funny. But for me, the tone was a little bit jarring in places. It's a, it's a minor gripe, but I'd, yeah, I I'd still think it didn't all quite click into place because of that. Yeah, I, I think I agree. And like some are a bit fresher than others too, right? Like when it's yeah. uh, when it's he- Chris Hemsworth wisecracking as that character, I think in recent years he's he's done such a good job with that that like I'm not fatigued by that. When it's Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, I, I've had my fill of his kind of sardonic yeah. uh, uh, wit at this point. So yeah, I agree. I think sometimes uh, it lurches sort of a bit back and forth between that more serious stuff and the, and the jokey stuff. But it's like... You're trying to please so many masters at this point, right? You've got to yeah. tie the universe together. You've got to get all the characters on screen. You've got to push the plot forward. You've got to tally with what's happened before in all the separate movies. You've got to make something that is objectively entertaining for a very large audience and that crosses sort of international boundaries and, and language boundaries and that kind of thing. And like you said earlier on, if you hadn't seen other stuff in the MCU, what's the point of seeing it? But at the same time, you'd said, well, it's a very big spectacle movie. And I think there's going to be a certain quotient of the audience who haven't seen maybe other like younger viewers who haven't seen all the other movies before but because they've put in enough just like um you know crash bang wallop stuff punching each other in the face in here it's going to transcend certain boundaries that would stop it from being gobbled up by the biggest possible audience and isn't it right paul you know about this more than me but like hasn't this already trashed records on like opening weekend yeah, I think it's now the biggest opening weekend ever. There's quite a nice photo that um, Lucasfilm have put together of uh, like a Jedi's hand passing over a lightsaber to Iron Man's glove, which mm. is quite cool. But yeah, so it's got the biggest opening weekend of any film ever now. So what it goes on to make uh, remains to be seen. I know Last Jedi took um, a paltry 1.3 billion, 
uh, at the box office. So I would imagine this would outperform that. Um, and also on that subject, going back to The Last Jedi, uh, check out our Twitter feed because there's a great article in The Guardian, and I can't claim credit for this at all. There's a great gar- article in The Guardian about why uh, Infinity War worked for super fans of the Marvel canon and why The Last Jedi doesn't. I won't go into what that says, but certainly check that out as we were talking about sort of handing over... I think the Marvel films are kind of like the new Star Wars in a way, certainly in terms of the amount of people they appeal to. I mean, I went to see this on a Monday night and you'd expect the people to be super excited about it to see it on the night of release. But even on the Monday night, okay, it's only been out a weekend, but people were like, honestly, like shaking with excitement before they were going in. So, I mean, these films are a massive part of popular culture now. So, um, yeah, to give that article a read about why this works and why Last Jedi doesn't, and it pretty much hits the nail on the head, which is what I've tried, been trying to fail and say for a while. But, yes, right. any closing thoughts on it? Or? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree, Paul. I, I think it would be so uh, edifying to me if, if this could work within two hours. But um, obviously, that's a bit of a. a I know where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. Um, although, again, fill me in. But is it right that there's going to be like a Infinity War two? It's already they filmed them back to back, so May next year. Um, next year. In okay. between now and then, you've got um, Ant Man and Wasp and Captain Marvel. Um, those are the two films you've got coming up. Uh, Breed Larson is playing Captain Marvel, um, so they will. I would imagine in some way. Uh, one or both of those films will feed into the second Infinity well, War, whatever and, and it might be called. Evangeline Lilly, of course, is is Wasp in that Ant-Man yeah. Wasp thing. So that'll be uh, interesting to see how that changes that dynamic, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, also, they haven't announced any. They haven't announced any Marvel films after Infinity War because they don't want any spoilers to leak out. So um, before we go too far into that and do accidentally leak, leak spoilers, I reckon we should probably wrap that up. But. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So overall, I mean, there's no point us saying to see this or don't see it, because I think if you're you're so inclined, you are going to end up watching Infinity War. Just make sure that you've, you know, got an empty bladder going in. Don't drink anything for the duration. You're going to have to make do with the dehydration that will kick in about hour two. Uh, Yeah, probably like don't overeat as well, because you can get through a hell of a lot of snacks in that amount of time in that three hour runtime. And then by all accounts, I think from both sides of the uh, device, in, in our conversation Paul it's kind of like at least one thumb up if not two thumbs up for Infinity War right yeah it's fun it's, it's, it does exactly what it says on the tin uh, and doesn't disappoint so yeah I liked it I liked it enough it was, was say that so um, I've liked enough doing this episode of the show, Paul, but it's not quite finished. We just want to get to what we usually do about this time, which is end credits. Is there anything at all that you want to pay credit to that you have encountered this week? It doesn't need to be films as we know it could be anything at all. Um, I'm struggling, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to pay credit to this um, <laughs> caramel and shortbread slice that I'm just about to eat. It's delicious. <laughs> I'm not putting this in the show notes. I'm not putting that slice no, in the show notes. And if no. I do, I, I'm so like uh, fastidious about it that if I put it in the show notes, I'm going to have to put a hyperlink to where people can buy it. And that is just more... Uh, they're from, um, I live in Bath, Pete. They're from Waitrose. Oh, of course they are, sir. Of course yeah. they are. You probably got a Cardo delivery, didn't you? you, um, my recommendation or, or credit for this week goes to a podcast series. What a surprise. Uh, this one is called In the Dark. It's back for a second series. I don't even know who puts this out because it's not like a, a one of the major players. Um, it's a bit like if you enjoyed Serial, first season Serial, then this is like yeah. in your wheelhouse. I've heard that one. That's a podcast I've heard. Which one? Serial? <laughs> 
Serial, yeah. Right. So yeah, yeah. The, the first series of In the Dark was all about uh, an abduction case of a young boy. I might have even talked about it on the show. I don't know. The second series um, is about a crime where a guy goes into a, I think it's like a mattress store or furniture store and shoots four, all four employees in the head. Uh, three of them die. One dies later. But the case that unravels from here, obviously this is a, a true story from, I believe, the 1980s, middle of the 1980s. Um, what unravels from here is that one man is uh, the crime is pinned on him a bit like making a murderer or something like that as well right uh but it seems like the state's evidence is somewhat lacking to say the least and very very circumstantial um so what they're going to do there are two episodes in at the moment but it's another one like serial where the um, makers are kind of piecing together this evidence and revealing it to their audience piecemeal piece by piece right as we go through to try to find out whether this guy at the centre who is called uh, something Flowers and I forget his first name but whether he is in fact guilty of the crime that he has served some 25 years in prison for to this point he's I believe still on death row but the case if it were to be overturned will leave him a free man however he's already gone to trial six times which uh, wow. it, okay. it turns out isn't double jeopardy or sex tuplet jeopardy or whatever <laughs> because of the fact that he was never acquitted of that crime. Um, oh, okay. So, yeah, it's a good one uh, in the dark. If you're into that cr- true crime kind of stuff, then I would recommend it. If not, probably stay well away. If um, not, have a short, have a short, shortbread and caramel slice. If not, get yourself some shortbreads and just have a nice sit down. Have a <laughs> cup of tea and just relax. Um have you got anything else to plug paul are we uh, where can people find our stuff on the internet uh at stranger cinema on instagram or at strangers in the cinema on instagram uh, at stranger cinema on twitter uh, the whole show is available on soundcloud stitcher itunes and pretty much everywhere you can find a podcast i believe uh, that's pretty much it for this week next week what are we reviewing next week pete we've already made a plan for this this is yeah. good next week we're going to be reviewing the Charlize Theron uh, movie written by Diablo Cody and directed by help me out not Ivan Reitman the other one Jason Reitman Jason Reitman yeah (laughs) you you, you pulled a face and that reminded me who directed that movie Uh, yeah so that one's Tully and we're also going to be talking about the new Amy Schumer vehicle which is called I Feel Pretty which will uh, lead to possible controversy and conflict you've seen and I haven't as of yet who knows so we're going to hold off for next week it's not actually on general release until Friday so that makes sense Um, Apart from that, apparently all the cool kids um, are sharing the episodes of our show around social media, recommending them to friends. And the coolest of those cool kids write reviews in stuff like iTunes so that we can, you know, get our heads above the surface of the water and scream to the world that we're doing a tiny little podcast like everybody else is. So, yeah, any support that you can give us would be massively appreciated by myself and by Paul and even, who knows, by Jack Mills, uh, who may be back on the next show if he... He has dealt with the uh, uh, flood at his house, burst pipes. I think I think his house has flooded, yeah. yeah. Bless him. Well, let's hope he's okay. And until then, uh, see you next time. See ya. See ya.